Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to our brand new podcast, Reinventing B2B, which has been produced by us, Just Global, recently crowned B2B Global Agency of the Year. That is obviously the last time I'm going to say anything about that. In this series, we're trying to take a different approach. So there's lots of content out there from a B2B perspective. We want to think about it from a slightly different angle. We want to look at the important topics and ask new questions, all to give you the tools to help you do your job better as well. So we invite you to listen as we debate how we do it in this new series, which along with our team involves some of the greatest of the industry. So here we are, first episode, and this episode is the devil in the data, all about marketing intelligence and how to use it. My name is James O'Flaherty. I'm the EVP of growth at Just Global, and I will be your host today. So today we're talking about an exclusive new report, which has been done by our brilliant partners at Bombora into a very set customer profile. We'll be dissecting the data. We'll be looking at different ways to take action on this insight, best practices you might not have thought of when it comes to some marketing intelligence ideas, and also how to think differently with your teams in this area. One of the things without talking too much to the data that I think is really interesting today is data about you. It's about B2B marketers, what you're looking at, what the trends are, what your competitors are probably doing as well. So we think this is gonna be a really valuable session. I'm really pleased to be joined today by the wonderful Shalane Miller, who is SVP of Customer Success and Insights at Bombora, as well as our SVP of Strategy at Just Global, Marcus Hiles. Before we get started, I'd like to say hi to you both. Hi, Shalane. So great to have you here. You're in Oregon. Um, tell us all about your week and how, how everything's going for you. Thank you so, so much for having me on. I mean, I'm excited that we are calling data a devil, but it's fine because I do live and breathe in it. I do think it is, it's sort of the thing that everybody needs the most. But yeah, so my week is going great. We're, I'm in Oregon, which for seven months of the year is overcast and sort of sad and gloomy. So I'm excited to be inside with folks that, you know, across the ponds probably are experiencing similar weather. <laughs> that's, that's summer for us. So thank you for reminding us about that. <laughs> Marcus, you're based just down the road from me. How how are you? How's how's everything going? Very well, thank you. We had, what was it, last week we had our Christmas party, which was good fun. And this week we've been in kind of QBR mode. So um, yeah, been keeping very busy. Had the pleasure this week to present to one of our clients on the 44th floor of a building in London. Some of the best views I've ever seen across London, which is pretty cool. So yeah. Amazing. It's always good when you can have an awkward meeting in a really high building, isn't it? <laughs> Let's get started. I wanted, before we get into the report, Marcus, could you talk a little bit about, I suppose, the background to it, why we think it's important that we look at this at this point in time? Yeah, certainly. So, yeah, we work very closely with Bombora and through their research platform on the intent side, we, we really wanted to try and understand what was happening across marketing function, really, across a number of core industries. So we obviously you know, have a large client base within the, the software segment. We're also interested in business services, telcos and media organizations. So we've essentially worked with Bombora to have this report commissioned to really understand what are the, the types of challenges and the research areas that marketeers in those specific verticals are looking at. And if memory recalls, it's around 200 million plus in terms of revenue, the, the, the size of companies that we're looking at for this report. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Shall I feel like it's just time to get right into it? Can you get us started and, and just give us a little bit of insight into what you guys have found? Yeah, absolutely. So, so all of the companies in the world that are in media, telco, we can actually see that about 8,000 have been signaling intent in their solution areas. 
And just about 22% are in depth. You know, go beyond just how many companies are researching, you know, media, demand gen, content, strategy, but how many of them are, are pretty far along in their research journey that they seem like they're actually at a place where they're, they could be ready to, to RFP, ready to, to start to work with us. So that's sort of the first finding within the report was just the number of accounts and sort of where they are in their journey and sort of segmenting that to determine, you know, how do we try to engage? Of the 22% that are in depth, that's a different motion that we'd want to sort of use than, you know, the ones that are just starting to get a grasp of what they want to do with media next year. Let's keep it more high touch. So, so that's, that's definitely the first finding within the report. So of course we can go a lot deeper. We're starting to, the, the next sort of part of the report is to unpack, right? What are they actually researching? If you read the news, watch the news, chat GPT, Gen AI, it's sort of all over, <laughs> but how many of our customers are actually signaling intent on it? Not just sort of reading what's on the internet. And in fact, yes, actually that is the number one category <laughs> that our accounts are looking at. But within that, what that actually means that the, the biggest sort of areas is actually around Gen AI, artificial intelligence for sales. Right. So how do you actually deploy this directly into sales activation, sales enablement, you know, all the, the sort of content and the digital engagements that we want to have just to actually use at that bottom funnel. So that was the number one category, but we actually reviewed 10 categories, everything across social media to to intelligence and insights to programmatic strategy, content branding and loyalty, et cetera. And I think actually the most interesting finding is that, you know, so even though the generative AI and, and sort of thinking about sales and bottom funnel activities was the, the biggest category of research, the lowest category of research was demand generation, <laughs> which I think is wild because we know that it's just, it's always on the marketer's game plan, right? There's no marketer that's like, no, I only want top of funnel, you know, <laughs> like, let's just do branding. I don't care. So I thought that was wild was just that did rank the at, at the bottom. I'm not sure, you know, especially Marcus, as, as you're doing QBRs uh, with, with customers, is, is that wild to you or is, there, is that sort of what you expect? No, I think a lot of the report, you know, is really interesting, actually, when the, when the assessment came back on it, because we, you know, we've been in conversations with our clients for the best part of this year around, you know, generative AI and how AI can be like, deeper infused within the marketing org and, um, you know, how you can support it from an automation standpoint to the point where we've actually been doing these sessions with clients on that specific topic. So actually seeing that it's not just our clients that are interested in that, that actually it is across the baseline that organizations we're looking at was really interesting to see it validate the approach we're taking in, in the engagement. I mean, part of the reason we kind of commissioned the report was to explain or understand what these organizations are looking at from a marketing standpoint to help us better understand our audience. But it, it, in the same way that we undertake this exercise for our clients against their towels, their ICPs and their, their uh, um, total addressable market to identify the themes and topics that resonate across their groups as well. So for us, as you've mentioned, the AI um, or kind of emerging tech is, I suppose, the, the category that we've used there for it has come up key. Other areas which were really interesting, you know, content development is still a really important one for marketeers, as well as the strategy and the intelligence behind it too. So how platforms like, uh, you know, your, your own one, the Bombora platform can be used to underpin the content strategies, accounts uh, strategies in terms of who to target is really pivotal. But I think it's been really fascinating to see that, you know, a lot of the trends that we're seeing coming out of this research 
do hit on what we've been talking to our clients about. And actually, it's, it's kind of allows us to actually see some of those individual technologies riding through, whether it's the AI note takers or the, the chat GPTs coming through and how they can be used for research and things like that, really. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, I was thinking just in terms of demand generation being lower down the list of priorities, I think that is a reflection of a little bit of a maturity in B2B. You know, we talk about connected experiences and how everything is a touch point and everything is an opportunity to grow your brand, sell your business, et cetera, et cetera. But I think some of the findings in here actually back up that that part of it seems to be kind of getting seeded through into B2B marketers. And that's becoming much more of a commonplace kind of approach, which I think is encouraging for the entire sector. Just building on that, I mean, something that is interesting, so that it, it might be lower down, but even within the taxonomy of what we've been looking at, you know, AI does keep coming up within that as quite high up. You know, there, there are a lot of vendors diversifying into how they can improve their demand generation programs with, you know, pairing AI technology on that as well. So they're getting smarter in terms of the, the way they're, you know, crafting their message for, for marketeers and, and how they can get kind of richer insights in their audiences and, and hopefully more targeted programs running as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's a sign that the the industry is is evolving, right, and and getting smarter. So if I read the the top three categories, um, number one, emerging trends. Number two, social media marketing sort of seems like a a constant. I wonder how much of that is just people watching what's happening with X and uh, and just sort of how that's that's evolving. But then number three is go to market and intelligence. Right. So I think there's a pretty clear demand to, you know, just an acknowledgement that we need to be smarter about how we operate the old style of like spray and pray, <laughs> you know, of just sort of message everybody because you'll find somebody is, it just doesn't work, doesn't work anymore. But the one thing I want to call out is that one of the biggest growth areas, so the biggest changes this year compared to last year is a big increase in branding and loyalty. So it's now, I think, the, the number sixth category. So it, it did increase quite a bit. We can see this globally. We can see this in every market across the, the globe that this one has grown up quite a bit. I'm not sure what, what you think about that. See, I love that because I do think that it speaks to the value of the brand. And again, that brand marketing becoming much more of a kind of like a embedded in the B2B marketers armory, which I think is really important. And I suppose the things that we've always, you know, 2023 was a hard uh, year for most brands and a lot of a lot of large B2B enterprises of technology and technology has had a particularly difficult time of it. And you've always had this thing that in harder times, you need to work harder on your brand because your brand being there to support your customers, whoever they are, that kind of that builds that brand loyalty over a period of time. And I wonder if that's anything to do with that type of data set actually being picked up. Marcus, maybe I'm way off. Tell me what you think. No, I, I, you're completely right. I mean, organizations have, you know, they've looked at cost consolidation a lot this year. Even, you know, this week there was Spotify's announcement of the, of the job losses, for example. So that's still very high on the radar for a lot of organizations. I think, you know, a lot of that did that much earlier in the year. So they're still looking at where they can drive efficiency in across their operations and um, you know, ultimately they're focusing on like on their customers and retaining customers as much as possible kind of that protect mentality at the moment growth is is being done through consolidation cost cutting driving efficiency less so on the kind of net new because you know there isn't as much of an audience to go out there for one of the things that we see in the in these types of data reports that we do is you know typically 
you know, there's research that says, you know, anywhere up to kind of 10% of your audience is going to be in market at any given moment in time. During recessions, that actually drops quite significantly. I'm not saying we're, you know, in recession or certainly it doesn't feel like that at the moment, albeit in certain territories, it's definitely a lot more challenging. But what does happen is that there has definitely been a decrease in the amount of companies that are actually in market at, at this particular moment in time. So we, we have seen that shift happening and you know companies are as i say trying to protect their customer base and you know drive the brand loyalty and the retention side of it as much as they can really another thing that um that we do in these reports is we try to break apart the those buying teams and so one of the i think more interesting things that that we're seeing is that you know when we actually look at because we have the ability to sort of break apart the personas within account um, and see you know, which brands are they researching and which sort of solution areas are they researching? And we really see our customers starting to lean into that to sort of challenge their own assumptions about who do you try to engage? And I think it's the same kind of theme, which is if there is less demand, right, we have to protect our own. That means that we need to be talking to beyond just, you know, who signs the paperwork, right? Who do we think is the actual decision maker? But let's explore all of those folks that are actually in- engaging with our products at our customers and, and best understand them because if we can keep those end users engaged, that helps defend against any kind of consolidation, any of that sort of market economies that, that might be challenging our budgets. I mean, for example, in our agency this year, we've actually heavily invested within the intelligence side of the business. So we've, we've built out a MarTech stack that supports that. And we have seen that as being one of the fastest growing areas within the business in respect to the types of projects coming through for deeper insights into their existing audiences so that we can kind of surface, you know, new intelligence that helps them target better, helps them get under the skin of the personas. So, you know, one of the trends that we've seen, for example, is, you know, the the rise of podcasts, actually interesting, hence we're doing one today. But, you know, typically within the C-suite, we're seeing engagement as much as like 60 plus percent of the C-suite are actually listening to podcasts every week. Some of them, it's like 40% daily are listening to podcasts. So, you know, it's really interesting actually just seeing how these trends are moving through and being able to feed that information into the marketing programs to support better targeting, better media selection is is pivotal, really. But I think, you know, the other thing we've seen is a lot of organizations have started to move out of their traditional heartland of the IT buyer that they're typically going after for a lot of our clients. They're actually looking at how they can broaden that out into other parts of the organization. And I think that's really key because we have seen quite a lot of research that suggests that actually you know in a lot of in a lot of deals that are going through for large technology buyers actually the IT function isn't the most important one in there for example i think it's around 55% of the c suite are actually involved in pretty much every large purchase that's going through so you know having them as a core audience to kind of work across is really important on that front as well i think you're exactly right there is this widening group of buyers and i think one of the things that i find really interesting about the research and it's kind of intuitive isn't it that like the c-suite are looking at emerging trends and the management are looking at things that get productivity better and the practitioners are looking at the things that they need to do to do their jobs every day and i suppose it's obvious but at the same time there are kind of little things in there that really do speak to the nuances and when you're thinking about communicating with these different audiences and obviously this is very much a marketing audience that we're looking at here and the different kinds of things that are going on across those groups in each of these different businesses it really does speak to that requirement to understand at every kind of stage of a buying journey in every kind of buying unit within the larger decision making unit in these businesses 
Just to give out the actual numbers, you know, in the research across every single solution category, right? So the personas that are researching content creative, demand gen, search, customer experience, it's still 40% are, are not in management that are actually doing this research, right? Those are your end users. They're actively engaged in how to leverage the gen AI. They're actively engaged in sort of focusing on that brand loyalty. They're part of that experience if you actually want to sell, to market, to, to drive adoption. And, and we can also see some differences, right? So like you were starting to say, James, the management is the ones that are really driving the content research, the intelligence research, and it is the C-suite that is driving the brand loyalty and the, the emerging trends research. You can really see who's sort of driving forces in it. And it can absolutely feel daunting to think that I have to not just win over a decision maker, I have to win over all of their friends. But I think that's what the, the opportunity is with AI and technology today is that, you know, we can make this research and make it apply to every part, right? You know, every department, every level so that they can all see the value of what we're bringing. That's the brand loyalty that, that you need to, to win even whenever the economy is uncertain at, at the very least. So when we think about needing to get into the personas to make sure that we're influencing all of those decision makers, right? That the entire buying committee that's going to influence anything that, that we're selling in, in B2B. I feel really, really daunting to think about the fact that I have to create content for every single person and make sure it's relevant for them. But that really is what AI can help with is that as I make a white paper, I can leverage generative AI to, to sort of give me three or four versions of it, right? Give me three or four different headlines. I don't have to actually do that anymore, which is incredible. Right. And so that's really one of those huge capabilities. And, and we can literally see that in, in the data set. Again, Gen AI and sales is the number one topic within emerging trends. So I guess my question for Just Global, how are you all using AI? Are you doing it the same way? Like, is it just me that's trying to cheat the system to not have to write so much? Big topic within our agency at the moment. Yeah, so we've got a whole host of different initiatives ongoing at the moment. One of the, the most important things that we're actually working on at the moment is our AI council, which has been it's been running for a number of months now. It's basically its core responsibility is to build the foundational layer within the agency. So we have been building out roadmaps, got everyone involved from an IT perspective, from a legal council perspective operations and, and the role of the council really is to set up uh, the governance structure that the rest of the agency can then use when it comes to putting AI into the roadmaps within each of the lines of business and, and operational teams, essentially. So yeah, really big piece. We've actually been using you know some of the newer generative components in some specific examples. So we've been using them within ideation, we've been using them in, in some of the research activity. I think the thing that's really important with a lot of this is that, you know, sometimes it does like to hallucinate and, and give you data that can't be validated. And like the human intelligence side of it's even more important than the AI side of it, because you've got to vet the work that those platforms are doing. Is it infringing on copyright? Is it making things up essentially? Can you can you actually source the materials that they're quoting and things like that? So we spend a lot of time on that front, but it, there are definitely time savings with, with it. And it like, it's just amazing how quickly that technology is moving, to be honest with you. Completely. I think I've learned through the course of the year to use it less, but use it more in specific areas. So there was a time this year where basically if there wasn't a typo or grammatical error on my email, I hadn't written it. Now I'm starting to kind of to figure it out a little bit. I still call myself quite an early adopter, to be honest with you. But seeing what some of the team are doing with it 
is just really, really unbelievable how quickly it's become normal. And I think the thing about the AI council is normal doesn't necessarily mean regulation is the wrong word of it, but being able to make sure that what we're doing is all kind of actually fitting towards a wider agency aspiration for how we actually use this technology. I think that's how everybody should be acting, right? Because we can see the power of it. I think my my first usage of generative AI was to write a rap song about my dogs. So <laughs> moving on to, to more B2B uses, it seems right, right? You, you ask it a question and it seems right. But, you know, like Marcus said, like, you can't really verify it. You can't see the source of that. And so if it's an area that you're not as familiar in, rap songs for dogs or, you know, maybe some some fancy Excel magic, like the, <laughs> my uses of it and, and writing my, my fifth um, subject line, um, it seems right. But you absolutely have to have that human element because especially if it's an area you're not that familiar with, it seems right and it's entirely wrong, right? The hallucination is real. And we can see that actually with, in my work with, with customers all the time, a lot of work with a lot of marketers, of course, and a lot of B2B marketers actually used to be B2C marketers. And there's a lot of things that are related. And I think that a lot of the way that B2B marketing is moving in a good direction because of that. And also <laughs> there's some things that are not. So there's a big assumption around seasonality in B2B because in B2C, you can see it it's literally the holidays right now. So guess what? People are buying <laughs> more goods. They're buying presents. They're buying a lot of things right now. There are seasonal effects, taxis and holidays, shopping, but in B2B, it's very different. You don't buy a payroll solution because it's Christmas or Hanukkah. You just don't. So this research is a lot more dependent on the, how businesses actually make decisions, which can take 18 months. <laughs> and when they actually sign their paperwork and that deal is closed one, they probably decided to buy that six months before. And really the last three months were a contract negotiation, right? So, so just the thinking about and, and scrutinizing the data, going deep into the source of it, I think is absolutely critical because with the plethora of all these tools around, it all seems magic and, and not everything, unfortunately, is magic. I think one of the interesting things on the seasonality piece was, is actually, you know, in Europe, for example, there is generally quite a large summer break in, in kind of the, the mainland Europe, but we didn't actually see that impacting at a global level, the research. So, you know, we're actually seeing that there's actually an increase in research undertaken, particularly in the latter summer months when a lot of the European colleagues are, are on um, PTO. So that I thought was quite interesting just to see how much seasonality doesn't really tend to affect a lot of the, a lot of the research being undertaken within B2B. That's really interesting. And I think like talking about when to do things and what to do, I think if we can move into how we actually measure the effectiveness of what we're doing from a marketing perspective, so analytics and insights, are two areas that really are intersecting much more frequently, and we're turning that looking back and looking forward data into a much more evolved set. It'd be great to get your views on how you think they've evolved. And Marcus, you, you touched on earlier the kind of the, the MarTech stack that we built as an agency. Can you tell us a bit more about how that's kind of having an impact on the types of intelligence that we're creating? Yes, we've spent a lot of time this year working with clients to help refine the target account list that they utilize to, in some instances with some clients, actually uncover the total addressable market so they can literally put a dollar figure on that to support with investment round and seeding. And then other areas that we've been using intelligence for has been all the way into kind of ABM programs, scaling them up into one to few initiatives. 
and then using kind of broader platforms, including the Bombora platform for understanding the kind of the core themes and topics that people are engaging with. So I think from an effectiveness perspective, there's, you know, there's a load of research and insights that you can do up front before you even look at doing the go-to-market plan for a program. It's just, you know, what can you use to inform the strategy, decide on what the right route might be. Um, but then the other thing that's really interesting with some of this technology, including the Bombora piece, is actually once the programs are then in market, did we choose the right topics? Are we seeing those accounts actually resonate with those topics? And then, you know, what engagement are we getting all the way down into, you know, which personas are visiting the, the campaigns and engaging with the, the content across that client's website? So it's really nice to see that intelligence going straight in at the start, informing the strategy and then coming back out the other side into, you know, actual results that we're seeing and then how we can take all those learnings to optimize for the next iteration of a program. So yeah, there's some fantastic technology out there. And I think um, where you can start to see that end to end, you can really kind of up your game essentially in, in, in you know, building programs that really you know, ultimately raise customer lifetime value. So, I think that's so important to, to circle it, right? We can use all this intelligence in, in the planning. We can really refine it. And in the end, we have to connect those dots to, to the other side. And I think just like we're trying to innovate on the planning side, right, and, and leveraging data to to actually build a, a, a total addressable market to actually refine an, an ideal customer profile, you have to do the same work to innovate on the measurement side, right? It can't just be great. We did all of this really thoughtful stuff. <laughs> and at the end, what was our click rate, right? We have to, we have to evolve on both ends, I think. Yeah. A lot of clients have moved to account-based marketing models in respect to actually wanting to know which organizations are now visiting their websites and the individual metrics on these companies as well. So uh, there's a whole host of MarTech that's come out over the last couple of years, actually, but even you know acquisitions and mergers and you know, sh reshaping the way these MarTech offerings work that um, has been really interesting to see. But yeah, I think the opportunity is really great. And actually, a lot of those insights can then feed into the sales initiatives and actually being able to get, you know, more focused on where they should be, you know, spending their time. There's a piece of research that Sixth Sense did the other day, actually, which was around the impact of AI within organizations. And they, they were seeing ridiculous uplifts in respect to the number of deals that you'd need to hit a million dollars with AI versus not having AI. It was, you know, there was a big difference, essentially, between the two. And, you know, from the number of people you're engaging with, the speed that you can get to market. Yeah, I think that that sort of brings me to something that I think is a, a challenge that I think ABM solves for, but probably not completely, which is, you know, we're, we're talking to marketers and about how to, to better, you know, do all kinds of marketing activations, but in the end, it has to connect to sales, right? There has to be that direct connection to seller. This is the deal, <laughs> you know, seller, this is the deal. This is the opportunity. This is who you talk to, and this is the right time. And this is what it's about. And, and so I think bridging that gap is the perpetual sort of need, I think, to, to actually bring the this work together. Um, I'm not sure how much um, you folks are working with your marketers on on that particular problem. Well, this is this is kind of the next thing that I was gonna gonna talk about in terms of that loop between how marketing intelligence and marketing effectiveness can come together. I don't know, Mark. We again we talk about these connected experiences and how how that enables us to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our go to market is built on the, essentially that customer experience engine, and, and that comprises intelligence. We've got growth, growth and strategy within their integrated marketing and the experiences side of it, and that connects everything into the, the media side and the creative side. 
going all the way out into performance, which is essentially the analytics, the optimization of programs, and, and then feeding that straight back into that uh, that intelligence side to, to plan and iterate from there, really. So um, the way we work with sales, particularly within that, is, you know, it, it's 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 hard work in respects that you actually have to sit down with people. You, you can't just like use a dashboard for this data. It will give you signals, but you need to speak to people who are actually at the, you know, the end of the chain here, getting the feedback from the customers and those conversations and then taking that as part of it and looping in. And, and you know, where we see the, the most success with the marketing programs is where we can get into that process of actually hearing what's happening at the cold face um, and taking that insight back into it and, and reshaping strategy essentially. So, yeah it really makes a difference in terms of the kind of the reward of actually working on a project because you're getting that full, that 360 view of everything that's going on. So forget marketing performance and results and everything for a moment as well. Just from a, a kind of a factor of how do I make my job more interesting, bringing all of these people into the conversation, it just changes the dynamic entirely. And it, it gives us so much more that, that we weren't getting previously, like five, 10 years ago, I compare it to where we are now, totally different. I wanted to move it into how we actually put this into practice. So the insights and the data that, that you provided is so powerful from a kind of a view of where we are. How, Shalai, how do you ensure adoption around those things that you leverage this information? How do you, how do you tell that story? Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you have to make it easy, right? Because you are talking to, we are talking to the the entire go-to-market teams, right? So it's, we can't just have a conversation about media tactics. We can't just have a conversation about sales enablement. We have to talk to everybody. We have to get them to understand that data. So the onus is on, on us as a, a data company to make it so they can understand on it. They can act on it and to make those insights easy, right? When you see this, it means this, right? Which sometimes it means putting context around numbers, right? Hey, 20% growth. Okay, is that good? I don't know. 20% growth is good and it means do this, right? That's the sort of steps we have to take to get this data adopted. But once it is, you know, it, it does become something that takes hold, right? And our challenge is really just to get that first win because then, then everyone's like, they're in it, you know, they, they're, they're doing their own, in their own findings, they're, they're spending all their time sort of finding all of these prospects, all of these opportunities to, to engage with their customers. But it is about finding that, that first one, getting to understand what a number means. Don't be afraid of a number. Don't be afraid of a pivot table where <laughs> I, I mask it into something colorful. <laughs> but once they do, generally they're hooked. It's just, it's, you have to sort of make it easy for everybody to interpret and then to, to make it easy to know exactly what step to take. So that's, that's really one of our big focuses when we work with customers. It's the data stories, isn't it? Trying to make sure that it's not just numbers on a page. It's actually, what is it telling you and what is the key finding and you know, what are we going to do about it essentially, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but once they do, once they have that moment, it's incredible. I'm very, very fortunate in, in my role to be able to see that quite often, but you have to get there. <laughs> Otherwise it's just, you know, it's just another report. There's also, there's a line that I saw, um, I think it was in the research actually, that I just love, which is the importance of slowing down and letting intelligence mature. I wondered if you could talk to that a little bit, because I think that's such a good way to put how to read data in a slightly different way. Yeah. I think it's, if we can go back to like the, I, I made up this 20% number, but you know, Hey, this thing happened and it was 20% growth left to your own devices <laughs> without a better understanding. 
you could think that's incredible, right? 20% more. And, and I think that's one of the, those challenges. So it, and, and this is part of the the how we all need to, unfortunately, we all need to evolve because there is so much more data, right? There is so many parts where if you just look really narrowly, you'll see 20% more, but you need to step back and sort of understand the big picture and, and what that really means. So I, I feel like that's sort of what the job is today, especially in, in a world where there's so much AI and technology out there. There's so much data that can be leveraged is to understand context to make sure that we're not just jumping into a trend, right? Last year, I think probably all of us, you know, after you make the Gen AI rap video about your dog, you're like, our jobs are gone, but you need to like, you need to take a minute and sort of see how these things play out. You need to understand the full context of them. And unfortunately you don't, you can't always tell that on, on day one. And I, and I think that kind of extending onto that as well, I, I really, I'm trying to get past the dog, but I just, I just love it. Moving on from that as well, Mark, because I, I guess how things are, the, the landscape today, it also kind of demands of businesses that they have to take this type of approach on. Yes, definitely. I think to Jeanette's point, you know, context is king, essentially. So understanding where you are, where you need to get to and, and try and dive into the depths of that data to make sure you, do, you are looking at the right points within it. Um, you know, I think, you know, where we are in the global economy right now and everything kind of slowing down to a certain amount, you know, organizations really need to look at their investments to make sure they're getting the most out of them. And, you know, that's one, one side of it. The other component is, you know, within marketing programs, um, you know, there's increased CFO scrutiny to, you know, regarding investments, but also getting the most out of the, you know, the, the, the marketing efforts that are being put through. So using the, the data you know, getting the right data stories pulled together, making sure you're not, you know, trying to present the whole package and you're just drilling down into the bits that you need to, like the, the areas to focus on, I think is, is really important at this particular moment, especially as you build your business case to, case to then go back into the business for funding into, into next year. Completely. Guys, look, I think that's where we need to wrap it up. Marcus, thanks very much. And Shalai, thank you so much for all the work that went into the research and the insights from, from today as well, really, really valuable. And we'll be making sure that we make that research available. So if you go into the insights section of our site, you can you can see it for yourself. But yeah, thank you very much, guys. I'm going to go off and watch a dog rapping from an AI script, which is exactly how I want to spend every day. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you, you, you've all been incredible partners. This conversation is really fun. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back in a few weeks. We've Our next episode is about B2B marketing in a creative sense. How can we be more creative? What can we do to change and, and challenge things up? We've got some brilliant people coming from internally in the business, but we've also got some great guests coming as well. So look forward to seeing you then. Thanks very much. Bye.